Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Hey, Coxie. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the the guys in the shopping centres selling the fireman's calendars? Mm-hmm. Have Have you ever wondered, like I've wondered, I've seen a couple of those guys that look like they've had a few too many Great Northerns. <laughs> and they're there in the uniform and they got the fire gear on selling these calendars with mm-hmm. like ripped, muscly firemen. Mm-hmm. And I've I've looked sometimes and thought, are you actually a fireman selling that calendar or are you just a sales guy that pulled on a set of high-vis overalls and a hat, you know? Imagine how excited he must be if he is just some guy pulling on the overalls. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You get to be like pretend to be a fireman for a day and sell <laughs> the calendars. I'd feel like a little bit bad if I was not as sort of kind of fit as the guys in the calendar. I just always wondered anyway. That's a fair point. Um, something else I've wondered about is how hard it is to get into the fireys. I must admit, I thought it was a bit easier than it is. And when I stop and think about it, I think it was ridiculous that I ever thought it was easy because it's such an important job and mentally draining and physically draining. Of course, it's going to be quite a process. And so I've I've known a couple of people that have been uh, firefighters. Uh, my brother's actually in um, the CFA in Victoria, mm-hmm. um, Country Fire Authority, but they're pretty hardcore mm. volunteer service down there. Like they attend all sorts of serious fires and everything. Like that's the CFA in Victoria is almost like the main brigade. Mm. So um, yeah, he's done some pretty hardcore training and stuff. But today's guest actually he's been a fireman for a whole bunch of years um, and saw a lot of people struggling to get in and so he made a business out of basically coaching people to get accepted into the fireys. Uh, really clever idea. Yeah, yeah. So smart businessman um, and he's, he's started another business uh, mm-hmm. recently around marketing but um, he's got some fantastic insights into employment. Mm. So if you're an employer or if you're a budding tradesman uh, or tradeswoman and you want to get into a job, uh, then today's guest, Brent Clayton uh, from Fire Recruitment Australia, has some fantastic tips on, I guess, how to do that well, what employers are looking for, and um, he should know he's been coaching people to get jobs mm. for the last nine years or so. So, uh, yeah, a little, little bit of a, a interview with a difference today. Um, but some fantastic info in there, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you enjoy it as much as the Tradies in Business Trade Desk. Yes. Well, that, <laughs> that was, was a, a terrible, terrible segue. segue. I know. I was like... You left me wanting no, there, really. I didn't, I didn't really set you up. I set you up for a fall. You do it often. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you cope with it so well, Coxie. Thank you. You don't I'm even need the firefighter's now. safety net at the bottom. No. Oh. That was uh, I could go terrible. get you a ladder. Yeah. Breathing apparatus. To get a Swedish backpacker out of a tree. <laughs> You really need to wait for that Oh, story. my gosh. I wanted to say a joke there so bad and I thought I wouldn't. I'm glad you didn't. You mm-hmm. can save that for the boys' room. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, um, back to the trade, trade desk. desk. Yes. yes. You need to come check it out. It's the bit of the shop where the important people go when they need a bit of help. Mm-hmm. That's what the trade desk is. Only our trade desk is full of smiling people that will mm-hmm. actually show you where something is that you need rather than those surly ones at that big 
Hardware chain that I won't Steady. mention. They might, they might want to sponsor the show one day. It won't be this one they sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you have uh, Coxies and My Smiling Face uh, offering you support. We have um, basically a group of tradies in business that are all uh, helping each other. Um, you get access to business training. There's videos, there's templates, there's scripts. There's a 12-month um, business course as well if you stick around for that long. And if you don't, it doesn't matter because there's no contracts. Mm-mm. We're not uh, we're not out to shaft anybody. Um, there's a money-back guarantee. There's fortnightly live Q&As with us and our super special guests. Um, bonus podcast episodes. Hot seats. Sweet partner offers where, you know, you can get um, terms and conditions and discounts on debt collection and advice and... Um, you know, exclusive bonuses that aren't available to anybody other than Trade you. Desk members, which is you, because you're going to go to tradesinbusiness.com.au forward slash Trade Desk, um, but just head to the website. You'll find the big button there. Go have a look at the page. Please watch the crazy video. Um, it explains <laughs> everything, or you could read the text, click on the button, and you're in. So, we look forward uh, to seeing you there with our smiley out. faces. Absolutely. Enjoy today's episode. Good morning, listeners. Good afternoon, listeners. Good evening, listeners. How are we today? I, I wonder if it, if we need to like think about when they're listening and not say the good morning thing. Well, I, I said all three. <laughs> you like, like the two Ronnies, good afternoon, good morning and good night or whatever they used to say? They did too. Yeah. yeah. We, that makes you the other Ronnie. Uh, I'm the funny Ronnie. Right. <laughs> Anyway, um, only you're laughing at your own joke. Yeah, well, that's that's anyway, it doesn't matter. Move on, (laughs) please. Um, We've got a guest today. We do have a guest today. We've got Brent Clayton. How are you, Brent? Going well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. mate. You reckon I've got a podcast voice? You do like this beautiful um, lady voice, you know, where it's like, (laughs) hello, it's so sweet and it's so not you. That's only because I'm meeting somebody for the first time. Thanks, yeah. Brent. I like what you're saying. Energetic. So uh, you're on the Tradies in Business podcast, and today we've got a guest with a difference. He's not, well, I don't know. Technically, you're probably a tradie, mate. You you work as hard as tradies, don't you? <laughs> Intermittently, yeah. 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 <laughs> when you're not playing cards in the crib or something like that. It's uh, it's more binary. Like you're on or you're off. Yeah. <laughs> so Brent, uh, you're a firefighter, uh, mate. Can you tell us? I I've I've got a question. Go that, for it. That yeah, I'm I just dying know to ask. it's my question. I'm dying to ask. <laughs> I almost didn't ask it because I didn't want to upset you, but <sighs> I figure stuff it. You're you're a fiery, um, mate. Have you got your own calendar? <laughs> well, funnily enough. Uh, the guy, a guy on my shift, actually got the front cover last year. So no way, I didn't make the cut. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's my suntan or, or whatever it is. <laughs> didn't allow me to get on there, but he got the the front cover of it. So he's like been semi famous for the last year or so. <laughs> is there is there competition amongst firemen mm. to get into the calendar or onto the front That's cover? It. Really? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really big thing and. Something that I didn't notice because I probably was never looking at that component <laughs> of it was uh, some people, like, it's a lifelong dream to get the job. And then on top of that, you know, that's the, the cream on the cake to get it in, even wow. in the calendar. And, and then there's, like, levels of calendars too. There's a lot in it once you start uh, being around someone that's, you know, in the process. Mm. But 
Uh, the guy I work with, Aaron, he's he's been in it. This will be his third year in a row, so he's kept himself in pretty good order. Um, That's a know. lot of dedication. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good fellow, though. So, so he, he's he'd have to spend more time in the gym than he would fighting fires, though, wouldn't he? It's quite possible, Morris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're yeah, not. Uh, we're not here to talk about uh, calendars oh, and, and, and the fact that you're not in it, mate, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean yeah. to sort of touch on a raw nerve there, Brent. But Oh, it's, look, it's not, it's not raw, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, mate, uh, you've sort of you've made an interesting, um, I don't know, sideways step and mm. created a business out of being a fiery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can so, Tell I- us a bit about that, mate. Yeah, uh, I've been a fire for about 11 years now, but uh, it took me a couple of goes to get the job, which was very upsetting for me at the time because I thought I was pretty okay, you know. Like, I'm like, they'd be mad not to have me on board sort of thing. And uh, turns out you've got to have some skills and abilities and be able to demonstrate that to the people that are doing the hiring. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a few tradies out there that reckon they're pretty uh, pretty good as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so it turns out that the competition's very fierce, like down to 0.2 of a percent wow. in, in some, some recruitment. So uh, after I sort of figured out how to, you know, present myself properly and do all that, I'm like, well, I can't be the only bloke on the face of the you know planet that's had a struggle or wasted 12 months was mm. the biggest key for me uh, in obtaining this position. So uh, I went about creating a business in order to help people that were in the exact position I was in back in 2006, um, just just so they could avoid if they wanted to do the work, um, you know, having that terrible feeling and in particular wasting a year of your life just because you don't have the right tools at your disposal. Mm. It's interesting because we get asked um, reasonably frequently by young guys and girls wanting to start an apprenticeship in the trades and, you know, they want to know which is the best industry or how they should put together their, um, you know, resume or, you know, what are some good companies or, Crikey, they don't even know when to ask um, and when to start asking around. So, uh, you know, this whole recruitment thing, I think, actually baffles a lot of people because most of us have never sat on the other side of the table to know what it is that recruiters are looking for. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the, I guess, you know, obviously our listeners are not as likely to go try and get into the fireys. But it's fundamentally the same, though. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the common uh, threads, Brent, to, you know, successful applications? Well, I think to sort of flavour it so that it's good for, for the listeners of this, it's like if you're a young person and you're looking to join a trade or, you know, if you're a young person and you're looking to get a job with a company, you, because you are young um, for a start, you often don't know what you don't know. So you need to be talking to someone that's been through the process and that has an idea so that you can be like, oh, I didn't even know that. Because at a young age in particular, there's going to be all sorts of stuff that you're just not aware of because you haven't broadened your perspective. Um, And another thing is having an awareness, if you want a position with a company, whether that be a fire service provider 
or a carpenter or a plumber or whatever, and it's a large, you need to know what their business is about and what's important to them so that you can present yourself in a way that they're going to be impressed or more impressed than they were with the other, you know, 10, 20 or 100 people that were going for the same exact position. So mm. I reckon that's a common theme in getting any position across the board, um, you know, in general. So, yeah. You raise a good point there, Brent. I find more and more so every time, you know, I've got kids that are turning up for jobs. I've got a young adult turning up for a job and they are often jobs where there are 50, 60, 70, 100 people have applied. Finding yeah. a way to stand out from that crowd can be really difficult. Uh, what sort of things yeah. do you suggest that can help you stand out? Well, I think to help yourself stand out, if you can put yourself, this is just a brief overview, like there's a lot more detail, but if you can put yourself into the other side of the desk, so the, the person that's hiring you's shoes, and it's like, what, what are they going to be looking for? So you, you mentioned 70 applicants. You ever think about receiving 70 applications, you need to be able to cut through. At, that's your first interaction with mm. a potential employer. You, you can't be, you don't want to be the one that's like highlighted and, you know, so, so that you get put to the side straight away. You need to be able to cut through just initially. And then obviously if you, if you know something about their business and what's important to them, you're going to have a bit of a win there as well, mm. you know. And probably the third thing to put in three fundamentals is know what your skills are. Like, and not not only know what they are, be able to communicate them to the, to the other person. Because you might know that you're good at, I don't know, working with people or in a team or whatever it is. But unless you can demonstrate that to a point where they'll believe you, um, you're sort of not going to have a win, are you? So I reckon they're the three keys. If you just focused on those, you're going to be you're going to be above average. Mm. Some people have those skills just in general, but most of us don't. So going back to the the fireys, mate. Um, yeah. What's what's some of the big areas that you've seen people lacking that have come to you saying, "I want to join." you know, the fire service um, or the fire brigade, you know, it's called different things in different yeah. states, I guess, but um, we'll just stick with fireys, mate. Uh, <laughs> I want to get in. Um, here I am. This is what I've done. Yeah. What's some of the the big areas that you tend to focus on with those people? Uh, we, we sort of break it down into five components based on each phase of the test because it's essentially the same for every service in the country. Um, that's like your cognitive stuff and your interview, personality profiling, fitness, um, that, that sort of vibe. But I think that the main thing is that the person has the drive to apply themselves. That seems to be missing these days. I don't know if it's just these days or if it's been forever, but the people that tend to do well will have a higher level of drive than the other people. Because I, I can go, here's, do this course and you will win. People don't do it all the time, do you know mm. what I mean? If you just, you need something that's going to make you go and sit in that room and do some study instead of watching Netflix. Mm. You, you need a reason to do that. So, like, we can give you the fundamental areas and it's it's similar for becoming a tradie if it's if it's a um competitive spot 
uh, you know, at your interview and if you do a cognitive test or an abilities test, you know, you might do something like that. Um, if, if you need to bring yourself up in one of those areas, well, you need a reason to do that. Otherwise, you're just going to go drink a beer and, you know, watch TV when you get home sort of jazz. So, yeah. Mm, yep, yep. <laughs> So I'm I'm curious, mate. Uh, have you had someone that's that's like come to you, signed up for your program, and you've looked at them and thought, "Oh my gosh, this is like pushing wind uphill," uh, yeah. you know, and and been surprised by the turnaround and the performance? Uh, I, I think I know what you're getting at. Yeah, <laughs> um, there, there's a couple of components to this, and there's so. We have products so people can just come and buy those um, and also have like a coaching program where I'll work with you one-on-one or in one in a group sort of thing. Yep. Um, th- there's two things. So first of all, if I'm going to be working with someone, so I'm going to be putting my time and effort in to help them achieve their goal, I'm going to have a conversation with them to sort of see where they're at and if they're ready or suitable to do that. Yeah, so that's the first sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The second one is not judging a book by its cover. Like mm-hmm. I, I speak fairly slowly compared to you know average or whatever. Doesn't mean that the brain's slow, if that makes sense. So <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, pro- I'm probably uh, I'm probably the guy you're talking about, if you know what I mean. So, <laughs> <laughs> I speak fast, and it doesn't mean I'm smart, mate. <laughs> so um, yeah, look, I think you in that respect, you've just got to go look. Let's have a bit more of a conversation and see if they're suitable or if it's just, you know, something's not meeting the eye. Because, because like, joining the fire brigade, it's not like you're not a rocket scientist. It's mainly is trade background people, you know, teachers, ex-police persons. Well done. <laughs> and all that sort of jazz, so. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really answer your question because I, I don't have a specific example, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty competitive. So we, think, we, we, sorry. I think what you say there about not judging a book by its cover. I remember an interview we did with, um, Paul Dolly, who's a mate of mine, a concreter, um, or has a concreting business. I, I wouldn't say Paul's a concreter anymore because he's pretty well <laughs> yeah. off the tools. Um, but, but he, I think he shared the story on the podcast of a young guy, um, school leaver was, you know, overweight, uh, unfit, hadn't, didn't sort of have any particular skills, uh, in relation to trades or anything like that, you know, wasn't sort of super handy. And, um, what he did have though, was pretty much grit and determination to, to make it happen and make it work. Paul gave him a start and I think he said like 12 months later, the kid's lost a ton of weight. He's heaps fitter. He's stronger. He's, he's picking things up. He's learning stuff. Um, and, he's, and he's a great member of their team. Uh, yeah. And that's someone that as an employer, you know, it would be tempting to be hasty and sort of judge that person and go, oh, there's no way this guy's going to work out, hey? Yeah. Well, you guys would know this being in trades and, and being in touch with people in trades. Like, I've got a, a number of friends that have medium to large trade businesses and there's something I've identified over like a 10-year period. You would take one of those workers over three skilled mm. workers with poorer attitudes any day of the week. Mm. Yep. And the, the way the, the fire services 
try and determine that attitude is through personality type testing and stuff like that with varying degrees of, um, you know, success. But that that's their way of um, trying to do it. And, and it's so important because um, you can teach a skill, but if someone's already got the skill and they sort of think they're good and the attitude's lacking, like, uh, that's generally not going to be a, a trending upwards graph. Mm. <laughs> you know, people don't generally start working for you and then get more motivated as time goes. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it tends to be a degenerative disease, that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, unless the, you know, the leadership of the, the business or the organisation is really good, um, that's, <laughs> that's where it tends to go. Yeah. So I, I, oh, can you tell us what some of the main attitude um, attributes are that you would expect a successful applicant to have? You know, we talk, we talk about attitude a lot and I talk to employers about you, you want to hire people with good attitude and, you know, they've got to have uh, a good state of mind and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. how, how do we pick that, mate? Like how do you go oh. about deciding what's a good attitude and what's a bad one? Well, I reckon we're trying to get a bit too fancy with it nowadays. Um, you, you know, it's, it's more about your value systems as far as I can see. It's like I would have never been late for a day of work, I don't think, in, you know, my life. And I reckon that's an indicator of how, how you approach everything. But as far as measuring that before you employ someone, We've got all the classic tools for that, like, uh, you know, references and stuff like that, but it's more of a trial and error thing, I mm. think. Um, and, and probably in a trade environment, it is slightly easier to trial someone and then let them go if they're not good enough. But I think in saying that, you need to be able to identify the poor behavioural value swiftly so mm. that you don't cause yourself to put resource into someone that's just going to, you know, um, cost you time and money and so on, and particularly with training because no one likes to put a heap of effort into training someone and then they shoot off to the next next business or whatever. But um, that's a whole nother kettle of fish, I'd, I'd say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued to know. I, I can imagine that it must be a mentally draining job at times, Brent, being a fiery. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very interesting and unlike any other job. I analyse everything pretty much mm. and, you know, over an 11-year sort of patch, it's because it, it's either you're on or you're off. And it, the thing about fire brigade and emergency management and stuff like that, you can never do it. It's not like building a, a house. It's mm. like, geez, that's where... Um, there's a million different opinions of how something could have been done, right? So you can never be right. <laughs> that's, that's hard. It's just that environment. And, it, you know, and it, it attracts a certain personality type, which mm. is also interesting when you start looking at it on a large scale. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting sort of arrangement, that's for sure. It must take a certain type of thought process to get through those emergency situations and strategically plan in an instant how to deal with what's unfolding in front of you. I, I would think that particularly in your case, the police, anybody that's dealing with those emergency type situations, yeah. there must be some really 
uh, stringent testing that needs to be done before you begin that training process just to ensure that you're the right personality type, that you can think the right way? They they do their best, I'd say, at, at doing that. And particularly as you work your way through the rank structure, and start taking on responsibility. Mm. Um, but you, you can't get it right every time. But in saying that, it, it just becomes an objective task, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the time. But that's it has to be. Otherwise, you'd be like an emotional wreck because you'd be taking on everything at the mm. scene. It's, you're just putting things in and tasking. No different to a, a tradie job. It's just happening a lot quicker and the consequences are can be extremely high, but mm. it's just prioritising and, and applying um, different, you know, like first aid for this, ambulance for that, police for that, mm. you know. Um, it, it's it's just like, yeah, we need the chippies for this, the plumbers for that, the, yeah, you know. Yeah, so it's just taking the emotion out is what you're really saying, isn't it? Well, sort of. You've got to be able to show some empathy and stuff like of that. Of course, and that, yeah. that needs to be genuine, I, I think, and, and – you know, people have varying degrees of that mm. within them, depending on sort of how they've grown up and stuff like that. But um, you have to be able to show that. But essentially to do a good job, you need to be able to look at the whole situation and then sort of, it's, I call it zooming out pretty much. You've got to zoom out and go, right, what's going on here? Because if you, you get tunnel vision and put the blinkers on, then you're not able to do your job effectively, essentially. Mm. So, yeah, Absolutely. Brent, yeah. uh, what did you want to be when you uh, grew up, mate? You know, when you were uh, rich. I wanted to be rich. rich. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. Because <laughs> no. I thought you're a fireman. Like, like it must be fireman, policeman, um, astronaut are probably the, the young boys picks, I think, Do wouldn't it be? Do they still want to be astronauts, really? I don't know. Well, we don't have many oh, astronauts anymore. It's dangerous. It's a bit risky, the astronaut one. Yes. You know? Says oh, a fiery. Yeah. Oh, it's calculated risk, and it's probably more dangerous to ride your pussy on the road. To so be honest. true. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I-, I wanted to fly helicopters for the army, and then uh, that didn't quite work out because, uh, yeah, I hadn't done my research quite well enough. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was probably more in love with the idea, but um, <laughs> then I-, I thought I'd become a, a bit of a businessman and. We started this car sales website for a few years back when the internet was like brand new. I honestly didn't really even know how it worked, but I learned <laughs> how it worked through that process. And then I saw this fire brigade job and I'm like, geez, that looks like a, a good sort of lifestyle job. And it, it is from the outside. You get plenty of leave and you get a lot of time with your family and stuff like that. But there, there's equal and opposite, mm-hmm. um, you know, things within it, like shift work, night shift. Uh, working over Christmas, getting your circadian rhythm sort of blown to bits. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you looked at it as an ad in the paper, mm. fantastic job, and and it is like it, it's it's an extraordinary job. It, like it's it's above average, but you need to be the right person and understand that those uh, things that they're not obvious are there as negatives to go with it. You know, just like running your own tradey business. Mm. Mm. Uh, I always think about the, you know, the the wife or the husband doing the books at ten at night when the kids are in bed, and it's like that makes me want to throw up because mm. I've I've done that work for my own business, and it is 
you're not operating in your sort of genius or your, you know, where you've got your thing that you're good at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's like what? So, how long's uh, is it fire recruitment? Australia? Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long has that been running, mate? About nine-ish years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so in- sorry, I was just going to ask if you can remember back that far. Um, what was it like transitioning into that business? I mean, obviously, you've been in the fireys for a while. Uh and then starting this new business, you know, it's it's um, as you've sort of pointed out with bookkeeping and that sort of stuff. There's a lot to do. Yeah. How, how did you find that transition in the startup phase of your business? Ah, it's uh, it's, it's it is massive. It's like I'm in the process of creating a new business to help people that were where I was then. Honestly, like because the the learning curve nine years ago, you got to think about where things were at nine years ago, like podcasts were not a thing mm. at all, for example. So I had to learn all this outsourcing mm. business and then mm. I had to write a book and learn how to self-publish that. And so it was an extremely steep learning curve. And then I had to learn how to operate a business on not a lot of money because I was selling a book essentially, but yep. I was still got to pay the tax man and the, the tax agent to, you know, like yeah, I, was, yeah. I was playing business for a long time. Um, and it's not until you get all your systems and stuff in place that it actually starts to, you can have a breath and begin to work in what I, what I call your genius so that you, you can you can help more people, you can do a better job, you can, you can see a hole in your service or the market and put a good plug in it, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. offer a good service as opposed to going, Oh, I've got a book, you, you can go, oh, there's a gap in my offer. And and because I'm not down doing the books and, you know, worrying about this system or that system because I've set it up, I'm able to serve my customers better and create better products. So, yeah. What's, uh, what's something that, you know, the old story, if you could go back and do it again, Brent, uh, is there something you'd do differently either with the business or just, you know, maybe uh, put the work in and go fly choppers in the army or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I think there's a, a – It's if I could go back in time essentially, I'd, I'd probably have a look at more so what would suit me as a job when I was younger so that when you're at that young age, you could be like, right, I'll go to university or I'll do a specific thing for a long-term job. Because like you guys know this, 10 years goes bang mm. and you're like, ah, oh, it's a bit late to change now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of stuck. Thing. Yeah, and, and that's not where, where you want to go. But um, if I was writing a letter to my younger self, it would have something like have a real look at what you actually want to do and, and don't worry about money or anything too much at this point because that it'll come later if you get the foundation right um, of what suits you and your skills and what sort of lights you up a bit. Mm. Um, I think it's worth doing that uh, as soon as you can. But it, it, with the business, if I was to go back, I, I'd just spend more time creating a product and having uh, faith that in the product so that I could you know promote it because mm. it's a good product but until you get feedback from the market you're like oh i don't know i'm not sure 
But in this day and age, there's that many super confident Instagrammers and all this jazz. It's like just know that you're good and you're not imposting because the market will tell you mm. if you, if you your product shit and you can yeah. just get a bit whatever you're doing, you know what I mean? So, go, go get a job in the fireys. <laughs> yeah, but like fail fast, fail as fast as you can because then you can move on. You know, like you, you hear stories of people, they're doing this X for bloody three years and it never happens. Just get, get, your, get your thing out of the market and if it works, it works. Otherwise, get rid of it and then, you know, move on to the next thing, sort of jazz. I like it, mate. Fail fast. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> I've done a few of them over yes. the years. <laughs> <laughs> happened. Happened. It's true, though. And it, look, you need pe- people to help. The three things that got me to to sort of move along was I invested in three different coaches over that 10-year period. The first one got me into that space. The second one got me to the sort of where I was actually making some money and the, the third one sort of made it fun. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, without that guidance, um, you know, you could sit around kicking stones for bloody... 10 mm. years pretty much oh yeah yep it's That's... not that you don't know it a lot of the time either it's you, sometimes it's like well, i'll pay this dude whatever 10 grand or something so i'm going to do what he says yes like, there might be something you knew oh you, yeah you've known it for three years but you haven't done it <laughs> you like, oh, I'm, well i have to do it now because he said so you know and it, it's that simple but like is that money well spent yes i, I believe mm. you know, we'll come back fairly severely if you if you do it properly and um, yeah, so that that was a big lesson for me, and mm. it, you, you're not ever really finished, I don't think, on on that spectrum. But. I'm interested to know, Brent, how you came to that mindset to employ a coach in the first time. It's a question that we're often asked: Why do I need a coach? Why would I have a coach? So to hear yeah. it from somebody that has actually independently done that, what brought you to that point for your first coach that you realised that you needed that help? My first coach, and the what tipped me was. So it was internet marketing. It was an American company. Like this is back, this is back like nine years ago. And if you actually think about nine years ago, there wasn't a heap going on. It was still Google AdWords was the main thing. Facebook probably barely existed. Um, yeah. So what it was is I got onto them and I was talking to the lady, and it was at the time it was eight grand, which that was a huge mm. amount of money at that time, and. Uh, I was walking down the street and I'm like, oh, it's, I can't do it. Like, that's too much money sort of thing. And I'm like, well, what's going to change if I don't do it? And the answer is nothing, right? So I took the leap of faith. I actually think I'd redrew it on my mortgage or something like that. And uh, I paid that grant. I probably didn't get what I thought I was going to get out of it, but I got something, like mm. a couple of things that propelled me a little bit forward, which I wouldn't have got. Mm. I, wouldn't, I probably got me eight grand back over 12 months or something like that out of it. Mm. But then I learned a couple of things that allowed me to sort of get to the next level. Then a few years down the track, probably five, I got another coach that allowed me to structure things a little bit better and just forced me to do stuff that I already knew. And then most recently, I worked with some guys to sort of automate a heap of stuff and go, go bigger. And uh, you know what I said about you don't know what you don't know? Mm-hmm. If you like, if you get a coach and you pick up one thing, if you look at it on a on a like a ten year trajectory, which people don't, they want it now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you get something one thing right out of having that interaction, 
the exponential of that is it's just so ridiculous that not having a coach now that I know it, like I'm just waiting for the next sort of I'm waiting <laughs> for the next one that suits me sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? For where you were at at that point in time, like right. I'm sure there's bad ones and good ones and stuff like that, but you've just got to like you've just got to do it. Otherwise nothing changes a lot of the time like you might be able to figure it out. and even if you do it might take you another year and what's a year of your life worth like i can't put a dollar value on that <laughs> yeah 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 and it's uh i think it's a mindset shift even to um commit to working with a coach and so even yeah. if you you know you sign up for a program or whatever it is work with a coach one-on-one doesn't really matter but just that getting in that headspace of I'm going to pay someone else to give me feedback and keep me accountable to getting better. I think yeah. that in itself is the win, even if you don't you know, get yeah, yeah. any perceived value from the coaching or the mentoring itself. The fact that you've committed to that path of personal growth, I think is what's actually critical about it. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah I reckon you've brought up an excellent point there and I was thinking about this this morning. The... What's going on in the world now is there's all this info, right? There's heaps of info. Like you can you can go find it, but no one's taking action, right? Yes. And and having a coach like you just said, if it's like, hey, so this week you're gonna you are going to do this, this, and this. So when it's you've knocked off, you're like, oh, I've got to get that done because Warwick, that's on the list, and I'm cashing up with him tomorrow, and I don't want to. You know, I didn't buy an excuse. I bought a coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you will do it, and as it, it might be the most uncomfortable thing that you've been avoiding doing, you'll just do it, and then it's done. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that, like from experience, that that might be the one thing that changes your life as far as your, your freedom from the shit jobs within your business, or the the you might double your income from it, or you know something like that can come out of doing that action that you know you're supposed to have done for the last two years or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it's such a good point, mate. I think another good point that you raised, Brent, was um, you outgrow coaches. And I actually think that that's the best, most complimentary thing you can say about a coach is you've gotten to that point where you can move past that coach. And, you know, for a period of time for most people that would mean perhaps just going solo for a while, but there's nothing wrong yeah. with then finding another one. I, I definitely, I really think yeah. if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you currently have a coach and it's not working for you or you've reached that stagnant point, that's okay. That's actually really healthy. That means that that coach has helped you to their potential and it's okay to move forward onto a new coach or yeah. go solo for a while and see what, what doors open for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you might, might a lot of coaches will position themselves for a certain income bracket or a certain, for a certain business at a certain point, and that's perfect because mm. then you really do know if you've outgrown them or whatever as well. So, mm. um, yeah, and there's no point having a coach if you just want to tell your friends that you've got a coach. You, you need to, <laughs> you need to utilise the resource, and then once you've utilised the resource, maybe even do what they've suggested. <laughs> uh, yeah, could be beneficial. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? Having been in in the coaching and mentoring industry for over ten years, and and uh, and I know Coxie's uh, been doing a fair bit for a number of years as well. It's it's always fascinating the stories I hear from people about other coaches mm. that they share with me 
yeah. and it's like, yeah, he was no good or she was no good. Um, you know, yeah. they, they didn't get the results with me. And it's like, hang on, who didn't get the results? Like, <laughs> did you do all the stuff? Because I don't know if I want to work with you yet. <laughs> well, that, that's part of your screen. I think there's there's like a few different types of customers for a coach and there's the the customer that wants to buy an excuse. Yes. So they're like, oh, I did that. It didn't work. Like, it didn't bloody work, eh? And then there's the ones that it's like they'll do, they'll almost be like, they'll do too much. And I, I like those ones, though, because that helps you to grow as a coach. Yes. Because you're like, right, instead of it's like, oh, it's too easy otherwise. And, and mm. one of the things I use is uh, each time we do a coaching session, there's a, um, a, the, the three wins that I want them to get for till we catch up the next time. And then when we're catching up, I can grab that and go, right, how, how are we tracking here? Mm. And that's where you see what the, their attitude is towards, you know, the program or, you know, the, the help that you, you're giving them. And, and funnily enough, the ones that do the things eventually get the, get the uh, chocolates, as they say. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty simple formula, mate. So uh, nine years uh, in Fire Recruitment Australia. What's next for you, Brent? What does the future look uh, like? Yeah, so it's like I touched on earlier, I've started a business called the Authority Marketing Machine um, where I'm, I'm just going to start helping people get from where I was, you know, back at the start in nine years ago, instead of spending nine years, we'll sort of do it in three months to 12 months, mm. get them from the, the zero to fully fledged um, replace your income type arrangement in that sort of patch of time. So I'm, I'm working on that, but I've, I'm also, I'm still doing the four recruitment Australia because that's a passion of mine. And um, I've just got some extra coaches on board to help, well, it's probably, we're probably delivering a better service. It's just that I'm there a little bit less, mm -hmm. um, you know, which frees me up to, to spend a bit of time with family, et cetera, which is super important. So, sure is. Yeah. The good old leverage equation, mate. <laughs> well, it's, you know what? It's, it's the best thing because it allows you to serve your clients better because, you know, I talked about the five different components that we work on. Well, there's actually specialists in all those areas. So I'll just find the best ones, the best, and then I'll just get them to work for us and help my guys. And then when it gets to the bit that I'm good at, then I'll help them in that bit. It's just bloody fantastic. Mm. <laughs> just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so going back to the fireys just for one second, I'm really intrigued. I've got another You're picturing question. the calendar, aren't you, Coxie? No, I'm past the calendar. <laughs> I want to know if you've ever rescued a kitten stuck up a tree. Uh, kitten up a tree have been called to a couple, funnily enough. Really? It's, it's hilarious because uh, one of the old fellas back when I was new, he's like, you ever seen a cat skeleton in a tree? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. not really. But my personal favourite was rescuing a Swedish backpacker out of a tree. That was... Uh, <laughs> that was... <laughs> that Dare was I even ask how that came about? <laughs> Oh, well, they're drunk, like, and um, <laughs> that one of them dead, the other one to climb the tree, and she'd got up there and then just frozen because it was hot. Too high. You must, I, I can imagine your day would be quite serious most of the time. Um, I, I assume, though, that there, that must create a real camaraderie between the, 
the people, I'm going to say broadly, yeah. that you work with, your team. Um, well, they're your second family pretty much. Yeah, they would be. I can imagine that. I, and I wonder if there is that support for you each, is it something that you give each other after some of those tough jobs? You know, is there, there time to debrief, to spend together, to talk yes. over what you've seen or been through? Absolutely. We, we sort of, we like to joke around a, a lot, like probably above average, but, um, you know, our days are structured out that well that uh, there's no time for sitting around being sad or being negative. It's mm. That's not allowed in, in our environment. So all of that goes together to contribute to our we eat healthy, fit, um, positive it allows you to deal with that stuff when it comes up really easily. Mm-hmm. And I can't say everyone does that, but that's the the sort of vibe that our our shift, and there, there's a lot of shifts like that that do it so that there's there's no time for sitting around, you know, whinging about this or that. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah there. But there are supports and stuff. It's, it's, services are very well aware of the mental implications of, of these particular types of jobs nowadays. So they, mm. they've sort of done a reasonable job of, you know, looking after that as well as us looking after each other. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So question I like to ask everyone on the show, Brent, is if you had a thousand tradies in a room, uh, yeah. what's one piece of advice you would love to leave them with, mate? thousand tradies in a room... What are they business traders or are they workers? Let's let's go tradie business owners. Um, get your systems right and get someone that's done it to show you how because it'll be three years quicker. <laughs> that's great advice. Uh, only three. <laughs> I can say that my, one of my best mates is an electrician with like twenty dudes on the books, and I've watched him do it. And he's like, I could show someone how to do this in 12 months now. Mm-hmm. And I'm good, but he's busy doing his stuff. But now yeah. he's, his trade business is like my business. Like he's at the point where the systems and the people and the operating procedures and all that stuff that you don't have are helping everything run so that he's just dealing with the odd thing yep. and, and, and looking at the figures and the stuff that matters and using his genius to improve his business and deliver a better service out in the field. So that's what I'd say. Perfect advice. Good advice, mate. So if people want to go and uh, see photos of you, I mean, uh, go find out more about you, Brent. Uh, what's, what's the best way or best place for them to do that? Well, if, you, if you're looking at the Fire Brigade stuff, it's just firerecruitmentaustralia.com. Um, and if you're looking at the business side of things, it's brand new, but it's authoritymarketingmachine.com.au over there. Sounds flash, mate. Very nice. Well, uh, <laughs> mate, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, yeah, awesome. And, uh, yeah, all the best with the uh, the next new business, mate. Sounds like you're, uh, you're a bit of a startup monster. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, go check it out, team. So uh, firerecruitmentaustralia.com or authoritymarketingmachine.com.au. And uh, we'll put all the links in the show notes, as always, at tradiesinbusiness.com.au. And if you're listening to this thinking, you know what, this whole thing about getting a coach, that's probably not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Um, A good starting point would be the Tradies in Business Trade Desk. 
So uh, head on over to tradiesinbusiness.com.au forward slash trade desk and you'll find all the information there about how to get started on your own journey of uh, having a coach and it doesn't have to cost you as much as you think. No, less than a carton of beer really. A carton of beer a month and uh, <laughs> you'll lose weight and get smarter in the process. So uh, go check that out and uh, Brent, thanks again mate, been awesome having you on. Thanks, legends. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tradies in Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesinbusiness.com.au.